going to be, and I'm going to let the Lord lead in that. And then after the invitation time, I'll be headed to the hospital uh, to be Brother Zach and Miss Amanda and the baby. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and get in the message because the message is going to help us pray tonight. James chapter 5, if you would, look down to verse 13. Just remain seated if you don't mind <clears throat> as we're going to go right into the message if we could. The Bible says, a very familiar passage we often go to in times of physical infirmity. The Bible says in James 5 verse 13, is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Something we've done many times uh, together here at our church of those who are sick and have called for that. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. And then here comes a very familiar passage about prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And uh, I think we'll stop right there and pray. Father, thank you for your word and specifically, Lord, for what you have to say about prayer. And I pray tonight you'd help us, Lord, with this need, uh, Lord, to learn to pray a little bit better as we have much to pray about. I do pray for those on our prayer list. Lord, we'll give out our our prayer list in a minute, and we'll see those, and I hope we'll pray for them throughout the week, but I pray that what happens here tonight in the next few minutes will help us pray for them better. We do pray, Lord, for those who are in desperate need at this hour, not just in our church, not just in our hearts, but around the world. Pray for Israel tonight, and just pray, Father, your hand would be, Lord, gracious to the people and all those involved, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. The events of the world the last few days, uh, as horrendous as they are, uh, there's been something good that I have seen come out of it, and you're thinking, how could something good come out of what we're seeing? I, I, I have watched the news probably more the last four or five days than I have the last four or five months combined, watching what's going on over there, and not necessarily with a spiritual interest. Uh, I know the Lord's coming back, and I know all of this is working together to usher in the Lord's return, and that's not why I'm watching it, but watching at uh, just the sheer barbarism of what we are witnessing over there and how here we are in 2023 in the existence of the world, over 6,000 years of the existence of mankind and how barbaric we can still be. And let that be a lesson to us tonight of the sin nature of mankind. It's impossible to look at what's going on and look at what's happened over there. And uh, I understand war. War is an ugly thing. And people die, people get killed, and people have to kill other people, and that is uh, an atrocity in and of itself that that has to happen. But then when innocent civilians get brought into it, uh, and that one village, uh, I forget the, what the name of it was, over 40 infants, lives were taken in, in, uh, in a barbaric fashion. And as horrible as that is, there has been some good things come out of that, and I've seen it here on a local level, on a grassroots level, even uh, in my life and in the lives of a lot of folks that I've talked to. And it's produced something that I think is a good byproduct of what we're seeing. And you say, what is that? Well, uh, as people see what's going on, there is something welled up on the inside of all of us, I, I hope, at least for those of us that are saved, to respond to it. People are wanting to do something. People are sending in money uh, over to the, uh, the fund for the IDF, trying to help them with all that they need in the Red Cross. I saw where Fox News had given a million dollars and challenged people to give money to help and to do something. And I think we probably all understand that emotion a little bit. 
that we all have something on the inside of us that's being stirred to do something, to step in. And uh, I even know some of you that I have talked to, I, I don't doubt for a moment that if the need were there, you'd probably take up arms and go over there and volunteer and help fight for the people that are there. And I believe that is a good thing that's coming out of this, that sometimes it takes horrible circumstances to get us to a place to see the need to respond. And uh, I think this is something that needs responding to. I've been watching Fox News a lot lately, and Trey Yinkst is the, uh, the, um, uh, the guy that's on the ground there, and literally on the ground at times when the bombs go over and the Iron Dome begins shooting them down. And he said something the other day, and I told my wife, it was very interesting what he said, and I told her it would be a great title to his book after he gets back. He says, we're seeing in these villages all of these atrocities take place. We're seeing these infants that are killed, and probably one of the most heartbreaking things I have heard throughout the last five days is how one of the hostages is a Holocaust survivor. And what a horrible, horrible experience, a human experience that person has had in their life, that they survived the Holocaust, and now they're being taken captive by Hamas, and who knows what's happening. And, but Trey Yinks, the reporter for Fox News, who's over there and walking through these cities, he says, we're seeing all of these things take place, the barbaric acts, uh, and all of the people that have been just slaughtered in their homes. And he said something that's very important I, I think we need to mention tonight. He says, don't look away. Don't look away. And what he's saying is, when things like this happen, what is the natural tendency? We don't like to see that. I'm not one of those people that Google and want to see all of the atrocities that are taking place. You know, on the news, they blur it out. And I'm thankful they do that. I don't need to see that. And by the way, our kids don't need to see that either. You know, don't deny them their innocence. Don't you know, put all of this in front of them all the time. Our, our kids' little hearts and minds cannot absorb uh, the level of, of, of evil that we're seeing out there. Let them be kids. Look, mom and dad, we're going to have enough to worry about when they get grown, right? Uh, they don't need to be seeing all this and robbing them of their innocence. But we see this on the news. And what is our tendency when circumstances are horrendous? To turn away. When that reporter hit the nail on the head, he says, don't look away. You need to see this, and you need to see what's happening in order to generate a response. Why? Uh, because we, are, we lack this thing of empathy and sympathy. Uh, as long as it's not in our world, in our backyard, everything's fine, we want to turn the channel, we want to go and, and, and watch Wheel of Fortune or something else. I don't want to see what's going on in the world, and, and listen, there is a limit to, to watching all of that. But I do believe it's important that we not turn away when circumstances are to where they overwhelm our heart. Let me tell you why. Because when we have circumstances around us, not just in Israel, but maybe in our personal life, maybe in our church, maybe in our country, right now in Washington, so many things going on up there. I mean, can't seem to get our act together to get a speaker of the house. I mean, we're about as dysfunctional right now as I think we've ever been. And the world's on fire, and it's the last time, the last place that we need a dysfunctional government. And we just want to turn away and get in the fetal position and hide, or we want to run, and we want to ignore it. Uh, but I believe we don't need to turn away. I believe when we go through circumstances, I'm not just talking about Israel tonight. We'll talk about them at the end of the message. Uh, I'm talking about in our personal lives. A lot of times we want to run and hide. I have found in my personal life, I have three reactions to circumstances that are beyond my control. Let me give them to you right quick, all right? The first thing I want to do is resist them, meaning I don't want to, to do anything with it. I want to ignore it. I want to turn away and just endure it. That's the first thing you can do when circumstances are which, to, the, to the which you want to turn away. The second thing I will do sometimes is I will react. 
first I'll resist or do nothing. Sometimes I'll react. Reacting is when I do the first natural thing that comes to mind when circumstances are beyond my power. I think we'd all understand that, right? You ever slap somebody? All right? You probably didn't sit there and plan it out for weeks. It probably just happened, right? Uh, you ever thrown something? Isn't it amazing? We, uh, we get mad. A lot of times we break things. I'm thankful, you know, as far as I can recall, most of my life, uh, I haven't. Well, because you got to bite again. You know, for those of you young people out there, look, you know, be careful breaking stuff. You just got to bite again. I'm like, no, I can't break that. Used to when I would get mad, we had an old brick pile down there in the woods by the boys' cabin. A big old, big old dump truck load of bricks had been dumped out there from an old school in New Hebrew, Mississippi. And when I would get mad, I would go out there and throw bricks. That's what I would do. It's cheap, and it would get you, it would wear you out quick to where you were tired of throwing bricks. It wouldn't take long. Bless his heart, my dad down there cutting grass, runs over bricks all the time. Now he knows where they come from. He's going to think bad thoughts about me every time he cuts the grass. Why am I always running over these bricks that are there? That's a reaction, all right? Usually, when you have circumstances beyond your control, you're going to resist it, curl up in the fetal position, and just ignore it, or you're going to react to where you do the first natural thing that comes to mind. And I'll tell you, to be honest, a lot of times we react, and it's in the flesh. I, I'll admit that to you tonight. You either act in the spirit, or you will react in the flesh. And I can tell you all about reacting in the flesh, because I am human, and I make that mistake often. But then there's the third thing. Really, the third thing is what we ought to be about tonight. We shouldn't resist, curl up in the fetal position and ignore it. We shouldn't react, do the first natural thing that comes to mind. I believe tonight what God would have us to do is respond. What's the difference in reacting and responding? Well, reacting is when you do the first thing that comes to mind. It's usually in the flesh, and it's usually going to cost you. But responding is where we have thoughtfully and prayerfully considered how to approach the circumstances in a way where the outcome is fruitful. That's what we want. What a shame it would be to go through circumstances beyond our control and not get anything out of it. If you resist, the odds are you're not going to get anything out of it. If you react, you're not going to get anything out of it. But oh, if we could learn how to respond, then there would be fruit that would come from it. Now look down at James 5, if you will. The Bible says in verse number 13, is any among you afflicted? Boy, I would say our world right now is afflicted. I would say there's so many circumstances outside. Uh, in our prayer list, you'll see this when you get one. A good friend of mine, you probably saw it. It was on WDAM right there in the middle uh, on the left side, Bryce Humphrey. Young man, he is the son of one of my good friends in high school. We played basketball together with Chris Graham. We were in the same class together there at seminary. And uh, son was in a horrific four-wheeler accident yesterday. Had an airlifting the Batson. It was on WDAM, and it was touch and go whether he'd even survive last night. I talked to his dad. He says, please pray. My son needs a miracle. You know, those are circumstances outside of, of Adam's control. Those are circumstances where we, we don't like hearing those things and seeing those things. But can I tell you, God has given us in his word a way to respond. I'm thankful when you look down to verse 13, the Bible says, any among you afflicted. Listen, I'm not talking about just necessarily physical affliction. I know that's the context of this passage, but there's a beautiful principle here. That God shows us how to respond to circumstances outside of our control. Look, Israel's outside of my control. There's very little that I can do for Israel. Look, uh, I can't resist. That's not going to help them. I can't react. That's not going to help them. But can I respond to the need over there? Absolutely. There's people tonight afflicted. There's nine-month-old nine babies in cages tonight. 
one and two-year-old children in cages like an animal shelter tonight, separated from their families. They're being afflicted tonight. There's no reaction that I can do to that, but there is a way I can respond to that. There's people burying their dead today, digging out bodies over there in Israel today, and there's not a lot that I can do, but wait a minute, the Bible says there's a way I can respond to that. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Verse 14, is any sick among you? Let him call. What are they going to do? Well, the Bible goes on to say, let them pray. Verse 15, and the prayer shall save the sick. According, this is all within the Lord's will. Then you look down at verse 16. This is where I want to get to tonight. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray. There it is again. You know what that is? That's the response that God's given us for circumstances outside of our care. The Bible says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James 5, starting at verse 13, gives us the proper response to circumstances outside of our control. Have you watched the news lately and just wanted to do something? Yes, we can send them money, and hey, if you got it, send them some money. Send it to somebody that will help those folks. But for the most of us here in the United States of America, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, there's very little we can do. But wait a minute, God says there's a way we can respond that's more fruitful than reacting. What is it? We can pray. William Carey said, most, the most glorious works of grace that ever took place have been in answer to prayer. The most glorious works of grace that have ever taken place have been in answer to prayer. Can I just tell you something about myself? And you might just be guilty of the same thing, and you're welcome to amen this one. Sometimes we talk too much, and we pray too little. We talk about it too much. You know, oftentimes we will go and we'll talk and we'll tell and we'll talk and we'll tell. And the Bible says that's a reaction. You know, the Bible says there's a response here for us. What is it? To pray. To pray. Now, you're thinking, that's it. We drove all the way up here on a Wednesday night to be told that for the circumstances outside of our control, we need to pray. Can I tell you, I believe the reason so many of our circumstances are outside of our control is because we don't pray. I believe that with all my heart. And I want to show you tonight real quickly, all right? Don't worry about the time, but I'm going to show you real quickly. I've got to get to the hospital here in a minute. Uh, but boy, the Lord laid this on my heart, and uh, I'm going to share it with you. James chapter 5, I want you to see the outcome at the end of verse number 16. Here's the outcome to prayer. You ready? It's four words, four letters. The Bible says much. Do you know when cir- circumstances are outside of my control, do you know the answer I need is an answer of much? Do you know what Israel needs tonight? Much. Do you know what families the family that's sitting up there in Batson Medical Center tonight with a, their son with a, a tube down his throat. Do you know what they need tonight? They need much. They need much. There's families tonight that are praying about what God would have them to do and this or that and kids in college and marriages and homes. And what they need is much. What I need tonight is much. What I need tonight is much wisdom. What I need tonight is much grace. That's what I need tonight. There's a man going into surgery just a few moments ago, probably in surgery right now. You know what she needs? Much. Much. Now, God shows us how to get much. And I want to show you what it is. Notice what it says here. I'm not even going to give you a title tonight. You're going to to have to listen. The Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer. 
The Bible says that there's a prayer that produces much, which is what we need tonight. And the Bible says that prayer is an effectual, fervent prayer. And that's an important part. Listen to me. You can't omit this in order to have much. This is the recipe for much. Effectual, fervent. It's an amazing word. Those two words in the English language are one word in the Greek language, and it's the word energos, E-N-E-R-G-O-S. It's where we get our energy from. The Bible says it's an energetic prayer, or here's what it means, a working prayer. You say, well, of course, we want our prayers to work. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that we are working in prayer, not that I just want prayers to work. Listen to me. I believe this is well tonight. The reason oftentimes our prayers don't work is because we're not working in our prayers. We don't have effectual, fervent prayers. We pray, you know, God is good, God is great, thank you for your food, bless it, amen. Now lay me down to sleep, nothing wrong, it's a good starter prayer, all right? But at some point, we've got to learn to work in our prayer. As you read this passage and you pull apart the words to see exactly what he's saying here. He's saying that there comes a time that the burden gets so great and the burden gets so heavy that you're going to have to put your spiritual back into it to move it. That's what he's saying. I mean, how often does somebody have a great need? When I found out our friend last night was in, uh, Fort, or in a Batson with his child and we weren't expecting to make it through the night. Good friend texted me and he says, I want you to know Adam's at the hospital with his son Bryce tonight and looks like he's about to experience a parent's worst nightmare. Just sitting there on the couch looking at my own daughter thinking, good night. I can't just say, well, Lord, please bless Adam and Bryce. We stopped what we were doing as a family. We prayed for them. We put a little work into that one. Why? Because that burden is, is heavy and that burden needs to be moved. We're going to have to work at it a little while. Folks, I believe our prayers would work better if we worked more as we prayed. Meaning, I'm going to put some energy in this. I'm going to put some effort in this. I'm going to put some attention to this. Why? Because the burden is that great. What Israel needs tonight, what the Humphrey family needs tonight, what your family needs tonight, what this church needs tonight, is for us to learn to pray with energy, that we put our spiritual back into it, and we work to accomplish the will of God through the response that God gave us, which is prayer. We should not resist it, curl up and die when circumstances are beyond our control. Listen, we shouldn't react to them in the flesh because this is weak and will accomplish nothing. But oh, thanks be to God, he gave us a proper response that when circumstances are beyond our control, this is where someone's physical health, they are afflicted and they can't do it on their own. God says, I give you a mechanism. It is called prayer, but you better put your back into it if you expect it to move. That's what he's telling us here. He says, you're going to have to put a commitment in to get this burden to, need, to move. Why? Because the need demands it. The need of our world, of Israel, of whatever it is tonight that is beyond your control, the need demands effectual, fervent prayer. That's what it needs. Why? Because otherwise, we're not moving it. Boys, I was sitting in the back bedroom of our house this afternoon, praying, getting ready to preach. I couldn't think about how often in my life God has to let the burden get so big before I realize I've got to learn how to pray better. We think, you know what, Lord, would you just bless my job? Lord, would you bless my kids, college? Lord, would you bless our nation? Would you bless Israel? And finally, the burden gets so big, we finally realize I'm going to have to put some energy in to get this thing to move a little bit. Matthew 17, we have the young man who 
was possessed, and his dad went to the disciples. The disciples couldn't heal him. And what did he say? Matthew 17, 21, he says, this kind cometh out not but by prayer and fasting. He says, you're not going to move this one with a God is good, God is great. He says, you're going to have to put a little bit more into it. Aren't you thankful for grace? I'm so thankful for grace and mercy where God helps us move so many things even before we even ask him to. I'm thankful for that. But there are times our Father lets us encounter circumstances much greater than we are. Why? To learn the proper response of prayer. That I've got I've to put my spiritual back into it. It's, it's like uh, we've moved a lot of furniture and we'll move pianos around in here. And uh, Man, you're moving things around and it's heavy. It's nice to have a dolly, isn't it? They just kind of, whoop, whoop, just kind of moving it around, no problem at all. But then you get to a spot where the dolly won't go, and now you got to put your back into it. I think America, we have just depended and depended and depended upon God's grace, and I'm thankful for it. God says, put your back into it now. You're going to have to learn to pray effectually and fervently, and I believe that will reveal more. Think about Christ real quickly, the Garden of Gethsemane. Here is Jesus, our example. And you talk about facing circumstances beyond us. You're about to die for the sins of the entire world, past, present, and future. I've told you this before, but I can't help but picture it. Every time he's there praying in the garden, he's sweating his drops of blood. Can you imagine the demonic oppression he was going through? And what did he do? He stopped to pray. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Luke 18, the Bible says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. To pray and not faint. You think about that tonight. We think, I'm too tired to pray. No. It's amazing to me that when I go through circumstances beyond my control, oftentimes I want to quit praying. That's spiritual suicide. The Bible says that men ought always to pray and not faint. God says the only way you're not going to faint when circumstances get beyond your control is you better learn how to pray. You better learn how to put some energy, some energy, the effectual fervent prayer. He says put your back into it. You've got to give your attention to it. First Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. When I was a kid, I thought, okay, we're supposed to walk around re- reciting prayers all the time. Like a monk? No. Here's what he's saying. Watch. Pray without ceasing. Keep our attention on it. You ever pushed anything uphill? I pushed a vehicle once uphill. And uh, be careful with that, okay? Car broke down. We had to get it up there. We had to get it over a little hill in the driveway where these folks were at. The dishes were too deep. And when you're pushing something up a hill, you can't afford to back off. Why? We'll find out. You'll find out. Good life lesson. Core memory right there. Can I tell you right now, we are pushing circumstances in our world, maybe in your life, maybe things nobody in this room knows about, but you're, you're pushing. I want you to understand, you better pray without ceasing. Give it your constant attention. You better pray effectually and fervently. Why? Because that's the only hope you've got for not fainting. Because as soon as you quit, it's going to run you over. We've got to learn to respond. How do we do that? We do that by prayer. An effectual, fervent prayer. Now watch this, and I'm going to be done. The Bible says of a righteous man, 
of a righteous man. So first he says pray effectually, fervently. One word, energetically. Put your back into it. Give your attention to it. But then he says, of a righteous man availeth much. That means it revealeth much. What are we praying for tonight? Much. I'll promise you every person in this room tonight has a burden that nobody else knows about, maybe other than your spouse. Maybe you're carrying something nobody knows about, and boy, you've just been worrying about it, worrying about it, and we spend so much time reacting to them. We trying to fix it on our own, try to fix it on our own. God says, don't react, respond. How do we do that? We do it in prayer. But then there's a very important part here. The Bible says, of a righteous man. I believe tonight that every one of us want our prayers answered, or else why would we pray? We want God to answer them. We desire God to answer them. Can I tell you, I honestly believe that our answering is not going to be according to our desire. Our answering is going to be according to our dedication. How dedicated are you to getting your prayers answered? How dedicated are we to pray for that family in Jackson or the need in your heart or the people of Jerusalem? How dedicated are we? say, well, how dedicated do we have to be? Well, the Bible says an effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? I couldn't help but think of something that strikes fear into all of our hearts tonight, and that would be the Department of Motor Vehicles. Have you ever been there? As soon as you pray for patience, you're going to have a reason to go to the DMV. I assure you of that. You go to the DMV. I just took my daughter to get her license a while back. You show up. And, hey, we need your birth certificate. All right, got that. All right, we need your mother's thumbprint. All right, let me go get her. Go get your mom. I'm going to get a thumbprint. All right, bring mom. Bring the birth certificate. Hey, we're going to need something else. N- nice lady there. It's no fault of hers. She's just doing what she's told to do as her job. And she's not going to hear you until you bring the required documents to her. Could you bring me the birth certificate of your great-grandfather's stepsister's cousin? Ancestry.com, here we come. And thank the Lord, when, when Myla went to get her license, Leslie knew what they needed. She already had all the stuff together. We walk in, and, and I'm not sure, but the lady's face, when we walked in, looked at, you're not going to have it. And I'm like, well, you don't know the organization of my wife. I put the folder up on the table, she goes, and then she printed off a number, she says, you're number 33. It was all there. We were able to go in and get what we were looking for a while because we met the required, the needs that were required of us to get through there. Can I tell you, God says, well, you can pray, and thank God we can pray, but he says, if you want much, there's this requirement of righteousness. You say, well, I'm right, I'm good. Hey, that's great that you think so. The question is, are we right before God? The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The other day, Johnny Pope texted me and appreciated his friendship. He's been a good friend, good counsel to me. And he sent me a text the other day, Jeremiah 33.3. I'm like, that's it? You know, I read my Bible. I know what it says. I know what's in there. Have you ever read Jeremiah 33.3? Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. Look, I'm a guy that knoweth not a lot. And so that's, my, that's one of my life's verses. Have you ever? This is, this is no joke. This is what I said. It's not working. You read Jeremiah 33.3? It's not working. I'm calling. He's not answering. And he's not showing. I don't understand what it is. Well, understand who you're calling. The very God of heaven. Almighty God. Jehovah God. 
This is not some dumb idol that we're bowing down asking to bless our crops and to send rain upon our gardens. No, this is the King of kings, Lord of lords. This is God Almighty that we're talking to. And for some odd reason, me and the arrogance of my flesh and my pride, I think I'm just going to waltz into his presence without making sure I have the required needs that are demanded of me for him to hear my case. Oh, no. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I know I've said it a thousand times. It's a judicial term. It doesn't mean he can't hear you with his ears. It means he's not hearing your case. Why? Because you're not meeting the requirements. That the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Can I tell you tonight, God has given us a response to all of this. We don't have to resist it and curl up in the fetal position and die. We don't have to react in the flesh and figure it out intellectually. We can respond spiritually through this wonderful mechanism he's given us called prayer. We don't get it. I don't get it. I'm going to be honest with you. I believe in prayer, and I pray, and I've seen the power of prayer. I mean, my mom was given a year to live about 20 years ago. You did the math. She's given a year to live 20 years ago. I know so many folks that doctors have misdiagnosed, but that was the mighty hand of God. I've seen God bless time and time again. I know what answered prayer looks like, but I'm going to tell you, I believe so often the circumstances that overwhelm us are nothing more and nothing less than God trying to show us we need to learn how to respond in prayer. Now I want you to turn somewhere before we close. Psalms chapter 122. Psalms 122. Watching the news the last few days, woke up in the middle of the night, the other night, turned it on, just sitting there in my bed watching the news. And you're thinking, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? Well, how do we respond? Well, go down if you would, would to verse number six. The Bible says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Now, folks, if you want to send money, send money. Uh, If you want to donate something, you can donate to something. Wonderful, wonderful. But can I tell you tonight, the greatest way we can respond to what's going on over there, that we respond to what's going on at Batson Children's Hospital tonight, what's going on in your bank account tonight, what's going on in your heart tonight, what's going on in your marriage tonight. Can I tell you the greatest way for us to respond is exactly what he told them to do for Israel right there in verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. He says what you need more and what you need most is to pray. Folks, well, tonight I don't know every need. As a pastor, you know a lot of the needs, but you don't know every need. But I will tell you this, God doesn't want us to resist God does not want us to react. God wants us to respond. Why? Because a response will be fruitful. We will see the hand of God working. But we've got to ask the question tonight. Do we know how to pray effectually and fervently? Energized, energy, energetic. We're sitting here, Lord, bless Israel. I don't know what I can do. Lord, just bless Israel. Are we willing to put our back into it to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Are we willing tonight, maybe for your family, the needs you have in your home, are you willing to put your back into it? You say, well, what do you mean put your back into it? Well, can I tell you, some of the hardest things to work at in order to have our prayers answered is making sure we're that righteous man. I was on my face Sunday morning, wee hours Sunday morning before the Lord. As David, search me, O God. I want to know. 
Watch, when the need gets great enough, you'll get to the place where you'll want to know. God, I need to know. Is there anything between you and me? Because I'm fixing to put my back into this, God, and I need to know you're hearing me, and I need to know that I am responding affectionately, fervently before you trying to move this need that's there. Can I ask us tonight, we want to respond to Israel. Tonight, the greatest thing you can do for them is to pray. And he told us, Psalms 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And then it gives us a promise that they that do shall prosper. I wonder tonight if we learn how to pray for them. I, wonder, I just wonder if God wouldn't keep his word and bless us. Me and Ms. Pam had this conversation the other day. I think one of the final, final threads in the life support of this country is America's support for Israel. I have no doubt. For a while there, we defended the unborn, and now we've slowly, even in the Republican Party, are giving ground on that one. But maybe and just perhaps God would be merciful if we learn how to pray effectually and fervently for his people. They shall prosper, the Bible says. I wonder if that prospering might would it actually be that some of the burdens you're pushing and you're carrying, that you'd find God responding on your behalf and on my behalf. So folks, tonight, here's what we're going to do. A little different, I know, but it's what the Lord led us to do, so we're going to do it. Brother Bo, or who's playing tonight? Come to the piano right quick. We're going to have an invitation. Now, before we pray tonight, here's what we're going to do. We've done this a couple of times before. COVID it happened. We did this, so we're going to do it tonight. We're just going to have an open invitation. Brother Bo's going to come up. He's going to begin praying in a minute. I'm going to lead us in prayer. The altar will be open. You come and pray as long as you want and leave when you're ready. But I would just encourage you, ask yourself, am I just praying to repeat the words so I can say I'm praying, or have I put my spiritual back into it? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Do you need much? Do you need much? So I don't need much. Well, there's some folks who do need much. Why don't we learn how to pray tonight? Amen? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. 